Welcome everybody to this episode of the Lund University International Podcast. My name is Tim Parker. I'm an international communications officer here at Lund University. And today we're going to be giving you an information session about Lund University, where you can get some general information about Lund University and some detailed information about how to apply, housing, living costs, and other details that you might be wondering about. And in the studio with me today is my colleague, Johan. Welcome. Right. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, my name is Johan Gunnarsson. I'm a strategic recruitment manager for East Asia. I'm uh, happy to be here today to share some information and um, maybe a bit of advice uh, about making an application to Learn University. So like Tim said, we're going to start by providing just some general facts, basic facts about uh, the university and the city and the region, uh, but also get into some details about the actual application and admission system we have in place. Perfect. And importantly, Johan is unlike me, you're actually a Swede. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, maybe people could tell from a slight accent in my English, but yeah, that's true. So, uh, but like Tim, I'm also an alumnus of Lund University. Uh, most of our colleagues are actually former students at Lund University. Um, and we love the place, so we're very happy to share information and advice to prospective international students who are considering Sweden and considering Lund, uh, of course. So that's why we're here today. All right. Well, take it away, Johan. All right. Lund University is a university with a pretty long history. We were formally established in 1666. So we, a couple of years ago, we celebrated the 350 years uh, anniversary, uh, which is pretty cool. And it's a top-ranked university in the world. We are a top 100 university, according to QS, latest QS ranking that came out a couple of months ago. We're also highly international and also a highly sustainable university. So these are three things that we are very proud of, of course, and something that we feel accurately reflects kind of the experience students can expect if they apply to Lund University and spend time here. We're a big university in a small town, around 46,000 students currently every year study at Lund University. And we have a bit more than 8,000 staff members as well. Nice. And we're a public, non-profit university as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Like most Swedish universities, we are a publicly funded um, university and a publicly funded research university, you might have. We actually spend two-thirds of our budget on research and one-third on education. So um, the university is big, as I said, and uh, most of it is located in the city of Lund, which is a historic town in southern Sweden. But we do also have small campus in the city of Malmö, which is 10 minutes away by train from Lund, and also another campus in the city of Helsingborg, which is around 30 minutes or so uh, northwest of Lund by the, by the coast. It's very nice, young, pretty uh, town. I love it. Um, it's a, it's a, it has a summer town vibe. Uh, and so, but they're all in the region. And I, I think I might say that it's quite common for students who study in Lund. I mean, many students who come here will actually study in Lund because that is where at least 90% of our courses and programs are taught and offered. Um, but it is common for students to live in the surrounding area as well. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to uh, live or base your, your life in Lund. You can live in one uh, small town or even village uh, close to Lund and commute, uh, or you live in Malmo, you commute to Lund, or you live in Lund and commute to Malmo. All those things are possible. So, yeah. Exactly. And for those uh, listeners out there that might not live in Europe or live in a country with where public transport is not uh, so well developed, we should mention that uh, Sweden has some of the most highly developed public transport in the world. So what Johan's talking about, about commuting between different villages and towns in the southern region of Sweden, uh, is very easily and comfortably done using Swedish public transport. Mm, absolutely. And also, of course, um, we're in the very south of Sweden, which is close to Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, very easy to cross the strait. Uh, there's a strait between southern Sweden and Denmark, and uh, there's a bridge, of course. So if you want to access Copenhagen Airport or the city of Copenhagen, which is a great city to spend some time in, um, you can easily do so uh, by taking the train. As I mentioned previously, Lund is a research-oriented university. So there is a lot of research infrastructure already here in place, but also being planned and being built as we speak. Um, so we have something called the ESS facility, European Spallation Source, which is currently being constructed, and also the Max Force Synchrotron Radiation Lab uh, on the outskirts of Lund. And these two very, very large 
research infrastructure, they are part of what we like to refer to as the Lund Innovation District uh, in the northeastern part of town. Very newly built. Um, a lot of people, thousands of people will live there, work there, study there, conduct research, etc. So this is, uh, this is booming, really, or about to boom anyway. Exactly, and also now connected by a very nice new tram line, which travels from Lund Central up to the Innovation District as well. Yeah, and I think we we often talk about, I mean, the southern tip of Sweden and the eastern part of Denmark as kind of one big region, um, greater Copenhagen region, we sometimes say, um, with more than 14,000 researchers, 190,000 university students, 19 research parks, incubators, and 17 universities all in this region who all contribute to making it a very dynamic research and innovation-driven place. Exactly. And I think it's also good to mention here, we talked about uh, crossing across the bridge to Copenhagen. A lot of students who graduate sometimes stay and live in Malmo, but work in Copenhagen, for example. And sometimes the commuting goes the other way as well across the bridge. Mm. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh, we might mention here that especially the, I think the Danes are good at a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're skilled at business but also development, research and development, and especially I think the pharmaceutical industry and the logistics, they are world leaders here. So a lot of very large multinational companies have their headquarters in or around Copenhagen, and many uh, Lund University graduates actually find employment there after they finish their studies in Lund. Exactly, and Lund, it's a cozy, beautiful medieval university town with a population of around 120, 130,000 people, including students. There's one thing that some people might say that they might miss is a big city vibe. If that's you, and you can easily take the train to Copenhagen. So that really fills that gap there as well. Absolutely. Speaking of research, development, business, um, Lund is also home to one of the earliest or, or uh, oldest, actually, research parks uh, in Sweden, uh, where a lot of our researchers, professors, Lund University staff who have in their work, develop maybe uh, some type of business idea or a product that they want to take to market. Um, they could easily start their own. Well, it's a startup uh, village, essentially, where a lot of uh, people associated with Lund University have started their companies and grown out of it. Uh, so that was started back in the 80s when these things were almost unheard of, actually. <laughs> uh, so one of the first in Northern Europe, first in Sweden, and approximately 1,200 companies have uh, at some point uh, existed in the Ideon, Ideon uh, Science Park, and more keep being added. And I'm really getting a picture of the research-intensive, sort of innovative-friendly environment that we have here in Lund. And with research uh, comes innovation. So let's touch on some of the more famous innovations that have come out of Lund University. Right. Uh, so we have one of the most kind of famous examples the past kind of, uh, let's say, 20 to 30 years. I believe this was developed in the 90s originally as, uh, of course, Bluetooth technology. And it was actually uh, not developed completely at Lund University, but by research staff from Lund University who, together with colleagues at Ericsson, uh, the big telecommunications company, developed this Bluetooth technology, and which is now dominant, the dominant form of wireless uh, communication, short distance, right? And something that we use, many of us with smartphones, we use it almost on a daily basis. Another great innovation is the hefting. What's that, y'all? Well, the hefting, uh, this is pretty cool. It's, a, it's actually an inflatable bicycle helmet. That you, you uh, yeah, it, it sounds uh, funny, but you, you have it around, you wear it around your neck and it inflates like an airbag, yes, yes in, in a car. It's the same kind of thinking. So that if you have an accident and you suddenly fall off your bike, the, the helmet will detect this kind of sudden strange movement and inflate, protecting your head. Uh, so this is the Hufting, uh helmet, uh, bike helmet that, well, actually, I think... It's was maybe 15 years ago it was developed first. So they've been uh, selling this product for many, many years. And I think if you go to any town in Sweden, really, there are a lot of people riding bicycles and a lot of people use this particular helmet. Exactly. You see a lot of things in Malmö, Lund and Copenhagen, especially. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, uh, I think Copenhagen is ranked the second best bike city in the world behind Amsterdam and Malmö 
the sixth best in the world. So yeah. plenty of opportunities to use your hofting when you're living in southern Sweden. All right, another fantastic innovation. We have actually a pretty long list, so we're <laughs> just keeping to a few examples here that people, I hope, can relate to somewhat even today. <laughs> um, so medical ultrasound is something that was developed at Lund University a long time ago, actually. Uh, and of course, the, the, the technology itself has come a long way from then. But I mean, anyone uh, who has, uh, for example, um, Ladies who have been pregnant, they usually get the fetus examined uh, with medical ultrasound uh, to, to check that everything is okay. And I think many of us can relate to that. Those of us who have or have had uh, children before, because we've all seen this, right? Um, and that type of technology was actually also developed in labs at Lund University a long time ago. So that's pretty cool. Fantastic. Well, that's three very, very famous innovations. There are more, mm -hmm. and but there's a lot to get through today. So let's keep going as well. And a lot of students really remark about how international Lund University is. Yeah, and I think that becomes evident as soon as you set foot in Lund. You get off the train and you, you see and hear people from many different countries around the world. I think we have something like 130 different nationalities represented at Lund University. English is widely spoken. Around uh, almost a third of our student body is non-Swedish. They're international, of mm. course. Um, at the master's level, almost half the students are international. Same with PhD students, I believe. Around mm -hmm. half of them are non-Swedish. Uh, and this is something, I mean, this has been highlighted by Institutes such as Time Tire Education, where uh, we have been named the one of the top. Is it 60, 70, 61st, 61st, 61st most international university in the, world. in the world? I think for me personally, I'm very proud of this. I mean, because we've been working hard for a long time to become an international university, offer a lot of courses and programs over a wide uh, range of subject areas in English, so that international students feel truly welcome when they come here. Absolutely. No question about that. You're going to meet students from fellow students from all over the world. And Lund's pretty famous for its student life on that note. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was a young student many, many moons ago. <laughs> Already then it was famous for its student life. Uh, so this, I mean, we have 350 something years of history here as a student town. So obviously during this time, a lot of student traditions have developed. And uh, I think speaking as a Swede, Sweden is a very big country with a small-ish population, but people come from all over to join us here in Lund, from all over Sweden, partly because the student life is so famous and uh, enjoyable. So regardless if you're into, maybe some people are into music, some people like uh, playing you know, sports, or you're into theater, any type of cultural activity, or you just want to party, people do enjoy that. But I also think that if you're not a party type, there are so many things that you can do to socialize with fellow students from all over the world. And I think one of the cool things these days is that it's not just Swedish students anymore. It's people from literally all over the world, all corners of the world can get together and form social networks. Absolutely. You know? And these, these networks last, you know, beyond your studies, because sometimes people, they, that guy moved to Germany, this girl moved to Singapore, and he went back to South Africa. They still can easily stay connected with one another. So these um, social networks that are formed at Lund University or in, in the, you know, outside of the university, but doing uh, these kinds of social student activities, that's really cool to see. But let's get down to the nuts and bolts a little bit more about uh, the university and our offering for international students. Right. So here at Lund University, we have nine faculties. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, one of the broadest universities in Scandinavia, in Northern Europe, uh, and also in Sweden, of course. So nine faculties. We have business studies, humanities, law, science, medicine, engineering, fine and performing arts. We even train pilots at Lund University. <laughs> so, I mean, this is such a comprehensive place. And I think one cool thing here is that a lot of education, especially in recent years, could be described as cross-disciplinary. So you have people coming in from different academic backgrounds, joining together in, for example, a master's degree program, bringing their expertise and their perspectives from, let's say we have someone from social science background, is interacting with someone with science, natural science background. And this brings pretty cool results. And it's also, I think, what we usually say is that the key to solving today's 
big issues such as climate change, for instance, it does require input, not just from scientists. I mean, you have to have people with a background in law, business, social science, engineering, etc., all collaborating on solutions to these kind of worldwide really big issues of the day. Exactly. And on that note, our program offering is very comprehensive. So we offer 140-ish English-taught international degree programs, many of them unique and interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, most of the programs we offer are at master's level. Yeah. But we do currently offer a handful of programs at bachelor's level in English as well. Yeah, I believe the number is 10 currently. Yes. Uh, this might change because we, we do want to make an effort to kind of bring out more international bachelor's degree programs uh, because there's such a huge demand uh, currently what we're experiencing. We, we speak to students all the time, prospective students, and they do want to come here already at bachelor's level. So this is something, a discussion that's always going on at the university. Can we develop more English taught bachelor's level programs because we already have, you know, many, many programs that are taught in Swedish uh, at the bachelor's level, but can they be offered in English as well? Hopefully, uh, but currently we have 10 bachelor's programs that are taught completely in English. And of course here in Sweden, as most of Europe, you would spend three years full time uh, to take your bachelor's degree, basically. So a lot of the programs, they will consist of as mandatory courses, also elective courses, Sometimes there will be an opportunity for students to do an internship, for example, or do an exchange uh, period where you study abroad at one of our partner universities. And we have many, many excellent partner universities. Yeah, I think it's like 600 or something, 670-ish, something like that, partner universities all over the globe. Um, and we do want our students to go out there and experience a different learning environment in a different country too, because those kind of experiences that you can't get so to say, uh, from home, uh, very important today, because eventually many of our graduates will join, for example, multinational companies. The working language will be English. You will deal with people who come from a variety of uh, cultural backgrounds. And if you already have, you know, uh, during your studies experience of that, it's going to be much easier to get into those kinds of positions, of course. Absolutely. And a really important point to note here is that our admission to our bachelor's programs is competitive. It is competitive. Uh, we do sometimes get questions from prospective students who want to know what's kind of the minimum GPA to get into a program, but it doesn't work like that in Sweden. Uh, you are competing with your GPA uh, with all the other students who have applied to the same program in the same application round, and those with the highest GPA are selected, basically. Absolutely right. So if you want to be admitted to a bachelor's program, you have to have completed your upper secondary high school or high school studies. By the time you apply and have your final documents ready to submit, you need to prove that you have English proficiency to English, which is we call English 6, which you can do in a number of ways, such as uh, taking an English language test, an approved test, or studying in an English-speaking country, such as the UK, Canada, USA, for example. And there's sometimes program-specific requirements as well. All right, but let's get down to our larger offering, which is our master's programs. So this is where it gets truly exciting <laughs> because, uh, as Tim mentioned previously, uh, the vast majority of our international programs are offered at master's level. So that is where we see the largest number of international students right now. And so we're offering around 130 master's degree programs that are taught completely in English, of course. And we mentioned we have nine faculties, many different subject areas. And within these, there are often several different programs available for students to apply to. Exactly. So the master's degree programs in Sweden, typically and here in Learn are two years in duration, but we do still have a few programs, particularly in business, uh, that are one year in duration, but they're, they're still, you know, valid master's degree programs. They're just a lot more condensed and intense, I would say. I mean, I sometimes meet students in the one-year program. When they start, they think, oh, I want to stay for two years. But after one year, they're like exhausted because <laughs> the programs were super intense and they're just very eager to kind of uh, join the labor market. At and that shortly <laughs> after completing our intensive one-year programs, they do join the labor market as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. absolutely. The master's program, like the bachelor's programs, are typically course uh, module-based, and they conclude with a thesis or some type of degree project. 
in the two-year programs, that is usually the, the, the final semester. So one full semester you are devoted to your thesis or degree projects. So that's a big, big thing. It, it is a bit, I mean, it varies from program to program. Sometimes the program has a lot of uh, elective courses in it. Sometimes there are no elective courses. It depends on the program uh, structure, of course, and what they have uh, decided for this particular program. But in the two-year programs, typically there will be a mix of mandatory and elective courses, and also sometimes an opportunity to do an internship or an exchange, for example. Exactly. Well, many of our students are already coming abroad to study in Sweden. Uh, but as you mentioned, they have that option sometimes in the third semester to uh, go on another exchange or study abroad. Yeah, and I think just like a, some advice here is that if you want to, if, if you know already before you start the master's program, I want to have the opportunity to do an exchange in my, for example, second year, uh, the third semester, then that information is often uh, printed on our website. If you look at the program details, they will say, so the first semester, these courses, second semester, those courses, third semester can be an internship, can be exchange, can be coursework as well, uh, if, if you would rather just stay and learn, just study. Um, so you can find out before you join the program. So, I mean, you don't want to end up disappointed and joining a program and then find out, oh, there is actually no room for an exchange here because there's no time for it. So, And I think you raise a good point there, Johan. So to everyone listening, if you haven't already found the program pages listed on our website, that's basically the gold standard where you can go to find out all key information about every single program we offer, course content structure, if there is an exchange offered or not, entry requirements, selection criteria, mm. professors, staff working on the program, student testimonials, and you can find Unibody ambassadors, student ambassadors on Unibody to connect with there as well. So really have a look through the program pages. Yeah, super important. Yeah. Um, and also, I think we can mention in connection with that, I mean, maybe you already touched upon it a bit, but when you are planning your application, of course, you need your academic documents, your your background, your transcripts and proof of graduation if you have graduated already, etc. But many of our master's degree program, I would say probably the majority of them, they do have special documents that you need to provide that are unique for that particular program. Sometimes students are like, oh, what should I write? How should I structure this? How many words? How many of this? What I do that? That information is often available. Uh, if you just look on our website first, they will tell you or give you rather precise instructions, for example, how to write what we call a statement of purpose or a personal letter, as they sometimes call it, um, or a letter of intent. I, I don't know how many how many phrases <laughs> or uh, words exist for the same thing, basically, but they would give you pretty precise instructions there, like a word count, and maybe they will tell you, answer this question, or pick one of these two questions and uh, structure your letter uh, around that, for example. Sometimes also a CV would be necessary to submit. Um, occasionally, but not usually, uh, they will say that you need to submit uh, letters of recommendation. But I think just probably just a handful of programs have that requirement. Yes, yes. It's not very common here in Sweden. But again, check on the program page because it differs from program to program as well. Yeah. And well, we have a lot of information in this information <laughs> session, conveniently. Yeah. But uh, to students that are thinking of coming to Sweden who perhaps don't already live in Northern Europe, the learning environment might be a little bit different to what they're uh, used to already. So I wonder what students can expect in terms of the learning environment here? Probably, as you say, in Northern Europe, like Scandinavia, maybe including also uh, countries like Germany and, and the Netherlands that are geographically uh, not far away from Sweden could be somewhat similar environment. But here in Sweden, we usually stress that it's a very informal classroom environment uh, where you have, uh, you're on a first name basis with your teacher, your professor. You don't say professor this or that. You just call them, hey, Michael, can I ask a question about this or that? Um, there's a lot of discussion going on in the classroom. So it's very good if you have, you come here and you have opinions, you have ideas, you'd like to perhaps even question what the professor is saying and say, okay, I can understand that, but I have a different perspective. Um, so a lot of discussions taking place in, in uh, Swedish university classrooms. Uh, you're supposed to be active uh, as well as a student, listen, form opinions and ideas and, and, and state them to the class so that we can you know, all discuss them together. And that is also 
why it's interesting that we have so many people coming here from different cultural backgrounds, right? Because mm -hmm. you can take the same basic idea and get 10 different opinions on it based on what, you know, where people come from, right? And that will happen in the class. <laughs> and that will absolutely <laughs> happen often uh, in class. And but that is something we can all learn from, right? Uh, so we hope that this is something that's very enriching for the students who are here. Um, also of note, I would say that we typically don't have too many courses all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Maybe one or maybe two courses at the same time. Quite we, often only one at a time. Quite often, uh, yes, that is the standard. But occasionally you would have maybe two courses at the same time. Um, but you have one course, maybe the course will last for five weeks, sometimes up to 10 weeks in certain cases. Then uh, the course finishes and then you start the, the next course. So you don't have four or five, six different courses all at the same time. You can focus completely on the one or two courses that you're taking. So that's pretty good. Um, I would say I, average course length, maybe around five weeks, something like that. It's quite typical, but occasionally there are courses that are twice as long and even uh, 20 weeks long. But the 20 week long course would probably be your, your graduation work, your degree uh, work and uh, the thesis basically. Exactly. I think we can, actually make one point as well, and that is um, how many teacher-led hours we have mm -hmm. in Sweden, because maybe you come from a country where you're sitting in the classroom 40 hours per week, uh, but that is uh, very much not the case here. Typically, you would have perhaps 10 to 15 teacher-led hours per week, but you're still supposed to study for 40 hours per week. So that means there will be a lot of um, individual reading uh, that you would study either by yourself or together with your classmates more commonly perhaps. Yeah, I think also the, the size of the class will be very different depending on the major you're taking. Some classes, maybe they just have 10 to 15 students. And some classes they have 60, 70, 80 students, you know. So it depends a lot on the program that you're in. But on average, I would say between 25 and 30 students, that would be quite typical for a Swedish master's program. Absolutely agree. And as we've already mentioned as well, definitely go to our website to take a look at the program pages to find full details on all the programs that we offer. We simply don't have time yeah. to talk about all of them today. Yeah. All right, so now we've got the interest of our listeners and they're wondering about uh, how and when they can apply for studies at Lund University. Right, yeah, so this is a question that comes up quite often, uh, of course, uh, in Sweden and in Lund uh, for international degree programs, they typically, start just once per year, and that would be for the autumn semester. The autumn semester typically starts at the end of August or maybe the first couple of days of September, depending on the weekend and the, you know. Um, but you would start probably in the autumn, and if you're here for a year, it's from August until June the next year. If mm -hmm. you're for two years, of course, you will stay here for two years, then three years, stay for three years. But we have two semesters per year, autumn and spring, but the international programs almost only ever start in the autumn. So that means that you have to prepare to make your application almost a year, not quite a year, but 10 months, uh, nine months before you're supposed to start your studies. So typically we open the application system in, in the middle of October. Uh, oh, that's also true for this year. We open in the middle of October. We stay open until the middle of January the following year. So there's like a three-month window for you to make your application to an international degree program. And then um, you will need to wait a little while to find out if you're admitted or not. Uh, the admission results are usually announced at the end of March or early April. And then you have several months, of course, to prepare to actually come here in mid to late August of the year that you intend to start. Exactly. And Lund University staff were quite well known for uh, providing a lot of assistance and information to our applicants and admitted students every step of the way. Yeah. So perhaps you're thinking, OK, if I get admitted, then what do I have to do? How will I find housing? I might, you might have to apply for a residence permit or something like that. Don't worry at all. We've got you. We're going to give you all the information you need every step of the way to get you here to Lund. Absolutely. But going back to that first step, how do you actually make an application to Lund University after you've looked at the programs and found <laughs> the programs that you like? Yes, so the first stop is of course our website. And as Tim has told you many times already, go to the, the website, check the program details. So you know that we have one or maybe even more uh, programs that you find interesting and you want to apply to. 
Um, you've looked at the program details. The programs are interesting. They are what you want. You believe that you fulfill the entry requirements of the program and have a chance to be offered admission. Um, in Sweden, you do not apply directly to the university where you want to study, and that is also true for Learn. We have a national application portal, a national application system, um, and you can find the website. Uh, it's called universityadmissions.se. Um, and this is also, I mean, if you're just going to look at two websites when you make your application, it's Learn University website and it's a University of Michigan Sweden website. Those two websites you must visit at some point. And especially the University of Michigan Sweden website, that's where you actually make your application. Uh, you will search for our programs, you will add our programs to your uh, application and you will submit it there as well. Exactly. And just to clarify to, to everyone as well, when you apply at universityadmissions.se, you can apply to any Swedish university. So mm -hmm. when you apply for master's studies, you can choose up to four programs. At a bachelor's level, you can choose eight. Yeah. Um, so of course, you might. we strongly recommend you to put Lund University as your first choice, but you might find some other fantastic courses in Sweden that you want to put as your other choices as well. And you'll see them all in the portal there. Right. So what we usually recommend or the way we uh, kind of frame it uh, is because students don't always understand this. They think, oh, I can apply to four or even eight different universities and I have a, I can get admitted, get offers from four mm. or eight different universities. But that, that is uh, actually not the case. That's a bit of a misunderstanding. Um, so what happens is that the, the program that you list as your top choice, they will be kind of first in line to be able to offer you admission. And if they offer you admission, which is great, of course, assuming that it is your top choice, um, then programs number two, three, and four, et cetera, will actually not be able to offer you admission. But if program number one, they don't want to admit you for whatever reason, then program number two, they have a chance to offer you admission. But all programs that you apply to will assess you Anyway, so it's not like you won't get assessed by programs number two, three, and four. Uh, if you added that many programs, you will get assessed by all programs uh, you have applied to. Good, good tips, Johan. Thank you so much for that. It's very, very useful. And here we have summarized the seven key steps that you need to take when, when making an application. So what are those? Yeah, so step number one, always, always come to our website, lunduniversity.lu.se slash programs to find the international degree programs that you can apply to at Lund University. There's a lot of information, a lot of details. Um, please take the time to read that information thoroughly to kind of, you know, to, to have a realistic uh, expectation of what, oh, this, so this is what the program is about. Um, so you truly understand and you're clearly motivated to apply to one or several programs that we're offering. So you must make sure that you meet the entry requirements of the program before you make your application. Because it could be that you are a terrific student, you're a home university, it's a terrific university, you have a high GPA, but you don't meet the entry requirements of the program in Lund that you're applying to. Then even though you are seem like a terrific candidate, we cannot offer you admission. So the, the entry requirements that the programs have, they must be met in full. So please make sure that's the case before you make your application. Then you know you have one or several programs in Learn that you're interested in, that you want to apply to. That's totally fine, and many people do that. Um, then you would go to University Admissions Sweden, universityadmissions.se, create an account, search for the programs in Learn that you're interested in, and add them to your application. And when you're ready, you click Submit, right? Yes, you do indeed. Yes, and then after that, what's left for you to do is to submit your supporting documents, because you need to prove that you meet all the requirements that we have in place uh, for people who want to study at university in Sweden. So you must submit all the required documents, and you do uh, the information on how or what to submit and how to submit the documents can be found on the University of Missing Sweden website, of course. Uh, most of the time, for most students, uh, it is or will be possible to upload the supporting documents in PDF format. But students from certain countries must, for instance, get their home school or university to send supporting documents on their behalf, like the official transcript, for instance. So you need to find out how students from your home country or where you studied before, how they should submit the supporting documents. Exactly. Always check the country-specific page just to make sure, as Johan mentioned, if you have to post in some information or if you're 
home university has to post in any documentation that they get that done early and on time. Oh, yeah. Because there's two important deadlines to remember. It's 15th of January. It's the deadline to select your programs and rank them in order of preference. And then the 1st of February is the deadline for all the documents to be correctly received and for the application fee to be paid or for you to prove exemption through your EU or Nordic citizenship. And as Johan already mentioned, admission results are announced usually in late March for master's applicants and early April for bachelor's applicants. So on that day, you're going to log into your university admissions account and wait and hope to see that green light that says admitted or conditionally admitted. And I remember that day actually myself as yeah, it's an exciting day. We are as excited as the students because we often don't know in advance who will be admitted in the end. Uh, so please don't uh, ask us to tell you if you've been admitted or not uh, in advance because we simply don't know. Um, but it's an exciting day and all applicants will get notification on the same day. So we don't have kind of a rolling admission system where some students will find out next week or two weeks from now, one month from now. They all get notified on the same day. Uh, so that is um, very exciting. So there is a slight difference here between EU EEA citizens and non-EU EEA citizens uh, because we do have tuition fees in Sweden for students who come from non-EU EEA countries or who do not have citizenship in an EU EEA country, basically. Now, the tuition fee rates are different from program to program. Some are slightly cheaper, some are a bit more expensive, but you need to find out for the program or programs that you're interested in what uh, the rates are, actually. Because, as I said, it's different from program to program. And it's also important for our future students to consider the cost of living while studying as well. So we often get asked about how much it actually costs to live in Sweden. Perhaps there's some myths out there that Sweden is ultra <laughs> expensive, which is not true at all. Uh, perhaps if you live right in the center of Stockholm, it could cost quite mm. a lot. But living in Lund, you can get by on not too much. So we made an example monthly budget here, Johan. Yeah, right. I agree. I mean, it's kind of a Sweden has a stubborn reputation as a very expensive country. But it may have been true at some point in the past. But now I can, with a clear conscience, say that it's the cheapest country in Northern Europe. Um and especially now with the currency exchange rate, mm -hmm. uh, because the, the value of the Swedish currency is currently very low. But we usually recommend a monthly budget of around, if I, if I mention in euros, perhaps mm -hmm. between 800 and 900 euros. And in US dollars, around 840 to 930, something like that. Of course, all depending on exchange rate. In the Swedish krona, that would be between nine and 10,000 per month to cover accommodation. It's gonna cover food course literature, leisure activities, your mobile phone bill, stuff like that. So basically all the expenses that a typical student would have, nothing extravagant, of mm -hmm. course, uh, some shopping allowed, but not, you know, uh, too, nothing too expensive, but a typical monthly budget, nine to 10,000 Swedish Corona. Exactly. And it's important to know this because when non-EU EEA citizens are applying for a residence permit, once they're admitted to live in Sweden, you actually have to prove to the migration agency that you have roughly about this month, this amount of funding to support yourself while you live in Sweden. So mm. it's very important to keep that in mind because you don't want to stumble on this hurdle later in the race. No, yeah. that's totally true. Uh, but there is one thing I'd like to say here, and that is actually that because sometimes students they believe that they also have to show that they, they can cover the full expense of the, the program cost. I mm. mean, like yes. for two, covering two or three years yes. of uh, tuition fees, but that is not the case. Uh, so when you apply for the residence permit, they just, they're just concerned about your, your living expenses. They will not ask you to show that you can pay the whole tuition fee for two or three years before they would grant your residence permit application. Exactly. So tuition fees are paid in installments. Yeah. Yes. And we will now discuss scholarships very briefly, although I should mention we will have our scholarship team here in the studio a little bit later on to talk, have a whole episode dedicated to scholarships because we know everyone wants to hear about that. But let's talk about some of the options just quickly. Mm. Uh, so it's important to know that if you are looking for a scholarship, you should start looking now. Yeah, yes. absolutely. 
Um, there are a few different options available for students who are free liable. Uh, so we can say if, you, if you're from an EU or EA country, don't pay tuition fees to come here to study. We don't have any scholarships, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there may still be scholarships uh, in your home country that could help you with, say, living expenses. But we don't know too much about that. So we're going to focus on the scholarships that are here to help fee liable students. Exactly. And those two scholarships are? Yeah, basically the Learn University Global Scholarship, which is open to all students who are fee liable, regardless of what country they come from. Uh, but we also have a Swedish Institute scholarship. And of course, this is at the national level uh, in Sweden. Um, the Swedish Institute scholarships uh, that are a great deal for the student because they cover not only living expenses, but also the tuition fee. And I think a return trip uh, to and from uh, your home Sweden, country, your home uh, country, living stipend and some trips up to Stockholm as well. Yeah, so, so it's fantastic scholarship. But this scholarship program is open to, uh, I think it's uh, 41 or two different nationalities around the world, mainly uh, developing countries. So, yeah, changes from year to year. And I also should mention quickly on the Lund University Global Scholarship, as Johan said, merit based covers from 25 to 90% of your tuition fee, mm. and it is the largest scholarship program in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, but just remember, it's merit-based. Yeah, it's merit-based. Mm -hmm. uh, the Swedish Institute uh, scholarship program is more of a needs-based uh, scholarship. Uh, we might add, just quickly, because we get this question, can I apply to both programs if I'm eligible? Yes, you can. You can apply to both of these programs if you're eligible. Now, of course, if we want to be realistic for a while. <laughs> All students cannot get full scholarships. So you must have some other plan, a plan B, basically, for how to fund your uh, stay here in Sweden. And that relates both to the tuition fee and the living expenses uh, that you need to prove that you have. So if you're planning to apply for a scholarship, that's fine. But please have a plan B and a plan C, perhaps, as well uh, for funding. Maybe you need to borrow money from a bank locally or some organization that you have in your country that provides grants and loans to students who go abroad. And it could be that it's going to take a while for you to apply to these uh, different sources uh, of funding. So please plan ahead. So you don't just wait until we announce the scholarship result and then, oh, I didn't get a scholarship. What can I do now? And it's like May or something, the year you plan to start. It's a bit too late, so please plan ahead here and have a plan B and plan C in place. We continue on our information session. We're getting through here, but we know a topic that our students always, always ask us about is housing. And students really want to know what kind of housing options are available. So there's actually a couple of different uh, options available. Uh, first of all, here at Lund University, we have our own accommodation agency called LU Accommodation, Lund University Accommodation. And they can actually provide dormitory-style housing for some students, not all students, non-EU citizens who have to pay tuition fees to study here and learn. Uh, they have priority here uh, and even a housing guarantee. And EU citizens, EEA citizens, do not have a housing guarantee. So you must find housing on your own. Uh, there are many options available. There are many kind of housing agencies that are just kind of exclusively working to find student dormitories, for instance, or corridor rooms, as we call them. So AF Bustad, uh, also Bupulen.nu, the nations, the famous social clubs that we have here in Learn, they have accommodation. Not so much, not so many rooms per, per nation, but still. And uh, there are also uh, opportunities for many people to just rent um, either a, a, a bed in an apartment or a house or a small small part of a room or, or an apartment or a house, and also stay together, rent some, something with classmates, for instance. That happens very often because when you're here, you're going to meet people. You say, oh, let's, let's rent an apartment together and share the rent, and that happens very often as well. Exactly, and you generally end up making quite good friends when you live in that kind of collective situation as well, from what I've heard from a number of students. Yeah, totally. Something else very important to remember about Lund is that everything is very, very close by. Lund is a very compact university town. So even if you're living, quote unquote, far away from campus, you're still only a 10, 15 minute bike ride from class or an even shorter bus ride in the winter if you prefer to travel by bus in January and February. So that's something that's really, really important to, to remember when you're looking at your different options. Open up Google Maps, take a look and say, okay, 
actually, uh, even though this particular uh, accommodation option, for example, Klostergården Student House or Vildanden or Ostratörn might look like it's far away, it's actually really, really close. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, the, the dormitories or the corridor rooms that we have available there in, in houses that are um, actually situated in many parts of town. So that means for most students, I would say probably almost all students, you, you have to be prepared to commute to your, your department or the faculty where your program is offered, but a short commute, like exactly. a five or 10 minute bike ride or a bus or a tram, right, mm -hmm. for that matter, depending on where you live. Exactly. So we always say to students when they arrive and learn, one of the first things you want to get is your bicycle. Once you get that, you're basically sorted. And as we already mentioned as well, Sweden has some of the best public transport in the world. It's very well developed and it makes commuting easy within the campus, within the city of Lund and also in the surrounding region, which Johan mentioned earlier as well. Well, we've covered quite a lot of information here, Johan. Mm -hmm. I think we've really provided quite a, quite a solid overview to our listeners, but we can wrap up by maybe concluding why study <laughs> at Lund University if we haven't already convinced people to do so already. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I mean, basically, if you've been listening since the beginning of this uh, podcast session, uh, we have mentioned a lot of things that we feel Prospective students should be aware of before they make their application to learn. But I mean, some of the things typically we like to highlight when people ask, why should I come to learn? Well, first of all, we're consistently ranked as a world top 100 university. There are like 17, 18,000 universities in the world. So being top 100 is pretty, pretty good, in my opinion. And climbing in the rankings as well, I should mention. Climbing in the rankings as well. We're internationally renowned uh, research university, of course. In, when it comes to global employability, I think this is a big one for, for many prospective students because we're all, I mean, you want to take a program, but you want a, kind of a, an outcome that is desirable as well. And that is usually uh, employment in sometimes the private sector, sometimes the public sector, sometimes maybe people want to stay in academia. Now, if you have a diploma from a World Top 100 university, that's going to open a lot of doors for you, both in the public and private sectors. And also, of course, in academia, because... If you want to go on to do perhaps research studies, PhD studies, if you have a master's degree from Lund, I think in a lot of places in the world, research-oriented university, that's going to be like, oh yeah, this is good. He or she is going to be one of our candidates for this. Lund, as we mentioned in the beginning of this presentation, is highly international. We are ranked as, again, something 61, according to Times Higher Education in the world for a being an international university, so students from all corners of the globe, you will never find that, oh, I'm the only non-Swedish person or the only foreigner or anything like that, because everywhere, the classroom, the university, the city is full of international people. Many of our programs are unique and interdisciplinary, as we mentioned in the presentation, and this is something that they've been designed like this I mean, we can do this because we are a comprehensive university, right? So the, I think that's one of the advantages of being a comprehensive university is that it's easier for us to, to design cross-disciplinary programs based on the research that is being conducted here to, to tackle the, 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 the problems we are facing right now in the world and also in the future. We need different disciplines involved. We need different perspectives. And there's a few more reasons as well. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we have a, uh, we have so many reasons to study Lund University. Uh, as also covered in the kind of in the podcast, we talked a bit about the the industry and business and the important links that we share with, with the, the surround, especially in the surrounding area, with a lot of international companies, both in here in Sweden and also on the Danish side. I would say have their research and development units, and the, it, the reason is simple because we are they are close to a university that conducts a lot of cutting edge research, of course, and the businesses, uh, private sector, they want to draw from that, so they. They employ our academic staff occasionally, they employ our researchers on a part-time basis, and obviously they want to be able to employ our graduates as well. Now, Lund also, it is famous for its student life, and the student life is very vibrant here. And regardless of what type of interest you have, it could be sports, could be music, could be theater, could be just partying, there is something for everyone, right? And you can partake in as much or as little as you want to, of course. Uh, depending on your own kind of personal needs and wants. Lund is, is a small town, 
but it's not a village, is it, Tim? I mean, it's a, it's a, everything you, you need is available here. There's here. more than enough happening. Here. Yeah, there's more than enough happening. The problem is finding all the time. But it's a, known as a safe, calm, and a very student-friendly city, of course. I think it's actually uh, it's one of the youngest, in terms of demographics, it's one of the youngest cities or municipalities in Sweden because there are so many young people studying at Lund University. But having said that, I think I want to point out that there is no age limit when you're applying to Lund or any Swedish university for that matter. So if you're 25, 30, 35, or even 45 years old, you're welcome to make an application so long as you fulfill the entry requirements of the program that you're applying to. So yeah, that, few of the reasons. I mean, <laughs> in my opinion, very convincing. <laughs> Just the tip of the iceberg that we're tip touching on Tip of the iceberg, yeah, yeah. That was a whirlwind information session of Lund University. We hope that we generated some interest and really gave a sense of the comprehensive nature of this university. So thank you so much for coming in today, Johan. Thank you, Tim. It's been excellent to be here and I hope to join again in the future. Exactly. And you don't actually have to take our word for it. You can also chat with our current students. In Google, you can type Lund University chat current students. You can find our student ambassadors. I think currently we have about 75. I think we're going to be recruiting more very shortly. And they come from countries all over the world studying a range of different subjects. You can chat to them for free anytime and hear about their experience. You can also follow our current students on our international Instagram account at Lund University, where a new international student takes over the account every week and showcases student life from their perspective. And perhaps you have some questions about uh, making an application. Perhaps you want to know a few more uh, details about a program or entry requirements or any of the topics we've talked about today. You can always contact the International Marketing and Recruitment team by sending an email to studies at lu.se. Don't forget to subscribe and we look forward to bringing you a new episode very soon.